What's up everybody? It's Dan, Finder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. Beautiful Sunday, sunny Central Oregon. I uh, appreciate everybody being here. Thank you for the likes, subscribe, shares. Telling everybody the Patreon donators are great, the Instagram subscriptions are great. Um, you know, don't ask for much. I just ask you tell people, share this stuff, put the word out on the socials, and uh, you know, just try to point everyone in the right direction. So, appreciate that very much. Today's episode is going to be about Scout Twos. I'm going to try and do the best I can from my memory to be as thorough as possible in half hour or so. We'll see what I can do. But, the Scout Two is the bread and butter of every international shop. Uh, there's just the most of them out there. It's what the majority of people want. Um, they're the easiest to build as far as not having to modify a lot of stuff because they came already with the things everyone wants a lot of times. So we're going to go over by the years, desirability features, things like that, some quirks, stuff. Um, I get a little bit fuzzy on some of the specialty uh, stuff like the Midas Scouts and you know that kind of stuff but we're gonna give a pretty detailed I keep saying we but really it's just me uh, I'm gonna give a pretty detailed account for Scout 2's and so we'll start in the dark ages and work our way up till 1980 so We'll just jump right in here. Uh, they started designing the Scout in the late 60s. Um, by the, you know, by 66, the Scout 80 had shown the auto industry that there was a untapped market. So, so you know, International was on top of it. 61, 2, 3, 4, 5. Um, by then, you had the Wagoneer had come out. Um, so it was kind of a semi full size, uh, and then I want to say, uh, I think the Blazer was in the works, but hadn't come out yet. And then you had the Bronco that came out in 66, which was, you know, essentially a reworked Scout with all of the things that people complained about, about the Scout, the Bronco had tried to, um, you know, address like power and transmission and ride and whatnot but they really I feel like the Bronco missed the mark but anyways so by 67 International was like you know look at all this competition we better start uh, figuring out the next version so the 800 was kind of that stopgap you know with the V8 and the 4 speed and the different packages but they were developing the Scout 2 long before its, its introduction in 71. Uh, I think they planned on bringing it out sooner, but they they couldn't get it there. So that's why you have the 71, uh, you have the 800B, and you also have the very early Scout 2s, which were in some cases referred to as 810s. So you'll see some people selling 
Scout 2 is an 810. Uh, it'll have interesting features like the data tag and line set ticket will be on the um, cowl, that filler panel under the windshield. Uh, you open the hood and there's the data tag on the cowl. Um, it is, has the two bar grill, round headlights, of course, round bezels. The interior, the sides, bedsides on the inside uh, are smooth. There's no ribs on the interior bedsides, just flat. Uh, the spare tire area has a little metal standoff to keep the tire off of the body. Um, you know, little doodads like that. You had a lot of different options. You had AMC six cylinders, you had 304. Uh, I think a 345 was available in 71, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, you still have the option of manual steering uh, and manual brakes. Uh, so, you know, I've seen a few come through here with that, with those features, manual steering, manual brakes. It had a Dana 44 rear end, um, and then it had the Dana 30 open knuckle Dana 30 front with drum brakes and a weird spindle pattern that makes it hard to convert to disc brakes. Um, so really, you know, they were using the same gauges that the 69 and 70 um, D-series trucks and travel walls had. You started to see a lot of cross-line sharing then, and I don't know if it was an indicator that they needed to start saving money, um, you know, because things were already getting a little bit tumultuous um, with the unions and, and the auto industry. But, uh, yeah, you see a lot of shared pieces across those two. That was 71, and 72 was pretty much the same uh, except by 72, they weren't calling them 810s. Um, mid-72, they relocated the data tag. The line set ticket stopped getting stuck to the cowl. Um, you know, things like that. Um, so, but generally, you still had the, you know, power steering, power brakes were options. Uh, manual steering, manual brakes is what it was. And by 72, I believe the 345 was... Uh, a standard option. Um, I think the six-cylinder was still what they were calling standard. Um, you know, little basic stuff like that. They had, I believe, the uh, sliding side windows became available. Um, you know, low back bucket seats, the bench seat, the the split bench that had the weird fold folding side. Um, you know, you still had the, like I said, same as the 71, half year 71, they saw the smooth bedsides. Um, you move into 73, and that's where you see the vertical slat grill, um, kind of reminiscent of the L series truck. Uh, you saw the introduction of Dana 44 in drum brake. And you also saw the disc brake Dana 30. So, um, been more than one 73 that's come through here with a disc brake Dana 30. Um, 
midway through 73 they changed the interior bedside so now they had the ribs to help with um, sound and strength you saw some updates in some of the other sheet metal uh, stuff they changed a few things here and there but 73 you saw that they I believe at least from my experience they did away with manual steering I think every scout after 73 had had power steering uh, unless you special ordered it manual but I don't I don't know that that's a tough one just from my experience I never saw a manual steering scout 2 after 73 in any of my travels and what I've purchased over the years um, you know they had the torque flight automatic um, 345 304s they still had the AMC option uh, with the 258 which I really liked um, the 258 and the Scout 2 is a great combo especially with a 4 speed uh, 410 gears Dana 20 like you can you know got decent little crawl it's torquey it's light gets around a little better uh, in my opinion um, yeah started seeing color changes they were adding you know paint options the 73 grill um, you, know, you had the chrome round rings around the headlights uh, and then there was an up model version of that same grill that had a chrome surround around the vertical bars um, you know which is very sought after nowadays it's plastic it's fragile um, so yeah so you start seeing that kind of stuff um, 74 was the same as 73 uh, across the board same grill all of that um, the only change was they did away with the Dana 30 um, so now it was all starting in 74 it was Dana 44 fronts with um, disc brakes in 74 still had the 44 rear um, they were changing the gearing options you started to see more uh, 354s and 331 gearing options uh, the single speed transfer case was coming out it's the aluminum cable cable operated single speed um, you know it's kind of a funny thing you saw the introduction of the auto hubs so that you didn't have to get out and lock the hubs they freewheeled going down the road and then if you accelerated with the transfer case engaged then centrifugal force would shove these rollers into position and then they would engage the hub they were uh, later replaced with um, I believe they were called Lockomatics um, but there are two different versions you'll see the automatic hubs and then they turn later later models they became Lockomatics um, but yeah you just see uh, interior updates the 74 uh, the 74 and 5s are probably the most sought after across the board by everybody um, you know California and New York New Jersey they want the 74 and 5s because of the emissions testing uh, you don't have to have that done when you have a model that old um, so a lot of the Californian trucks are, you know, everyone's looking for that 73, 4, 5. Um, still utilitarian-ish. Um, you know, they had carpet options and, and, you know, air conditioning was coming out. Stuff like that. But, 
you know, they were still all metal, metal grills, um, whatever plastic they had was minimal, that kind of stuff. Um, my first Scout II was a 73, and it had a drum braked 30 uh, in it, and I blew that up quickly. Um, but yeah, so 74 was similar just with the axle upgrade and then, you know, the power steering, power brakes, because you have, you know, really should have power when you have disc brakes. Um, 75, you saw a grill change to the plastic uh, overlay over the metal 73 and 4 style grill. Um, so essentially it was the same, but it just had this chrome plastic overlay. Um, you know, you started seeing toe package, started seeing other little add-on, accessory add-ons, the winch bumpers, that kind of thing. The sway bar became standard in 75, if I recall my literature. And the sway bar being that flat piece of steel that joins the two front shackles together, uh, that is not just flat steel. That's not plate steel. That is spring steel, like a leaf spring, and it is meant to be a sway bar. So, you know, to keep the shackles um, kind of joined together, helps a corner, that kind of thing. Uh, most guys take them off and throw them away, uh, especially if you're off-road. Um, you know, that it detracts from the flexing um, articulation of the front end. Not that you're going to get a ton with those stock leaf springs, but every little bit helped off-road. So um, guys take them off and whatever, but they are helpful on on the highway. Um, but yeah, so 75, they became standard with that. Um, you started seeing a little more aftermarket support. Um, you can look through the necessaries book for the Scout 2 stuff and you started seeing um, yeah, just all kinds of all kinds of little add-ons and doodads for Scout twos that were coming out, and then seventy-five for as far as internationals go. Seventy-five marked the end of the pickup and travel all lines, and that international was you know still trying to make money, save money, whatever. So you saw the introduction of the Terra. And Traveler, which are long wheelbase Scout twos. They're 18 inches longer. It's added right in the middle. Um, typical international afterthought. You know, rather than do something new, they just scabbed on an extension to the frame, and the floor pan has an add-on in the middle. Um, so, yeah, um, had a short pickup bed. Uh, they had still had the removable top, so you could go back and forth between the Terra and the Traveler if you were so inclined. Uh, it took a couple of friends to help you move the tops around because they are heavy. But um, but yeah, you could a guy could go back and forth between the Terra and the Traveler, um, which I I like a Traveler. But anyway, so '76 you saw that you saw the grill change to a horizontal plastic grill. Um, that they only use for one year. Oh man, what else? Um, pretty much the drivetrain stayed the same. The options were the same. You could get some different spring packages. There was the XLC. Well, I guess the XLC was in 74 and 5. And that was their workaround for the emissions thing. Because if you weighed 
uh, or if you had a GVW higher than a certain number, you didn't have to meet emission standards. So they called the scouts the XLCs, which is extra load capacity, which put them above the GVW requirements for emissions testing. Um, so then by 76, they did away with the XLC because they couldn't, uh, at least the XLC nomenclature, because they couldn't avoid emissions testing anymore. So in late 75 and 76 and up, you saw, you know, the smog pump, the air manifolds, um, that kind of stuff, especially tuned carburetors. Um, yeah, you started to see all of that. Um, the charcoal canister for the fuel tank under the, under the hood there. Um, but as far as drivetrain goes, they still had, you know, by 76, they did away with the 258. Um, so you had the 304, 345. Um, and then you had the uh, 196. The, I don't know. So now I'm second guessing myself. I don't know if they had the 196 option in 71, 70. Five Scout twos. I don't know if I've ever seen a 196 in a in an early one. I'm sure they're out there. I they may exist. I'm sure somebody listening right now has one and is screaming at their their speakers. But uh, I it wasn't until '76 that I saw the kind of reintroduction or prevalence of the 196 models. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the fuel crisis, the you know economy, and all that stuff, but they seem to really put the 196 out again. Um, but they also introduced the diesel, the Nissan diesel in '76, non-turbo, naturally aspirated dog of a diesel. Couldn't get out of its own way. Had like 85 horsepower. Smoked like hell. Um, you know fragile, failure prone, whatever. So that was a, a, a drivetrain change that they offered. Uh, and then again, California guys are all hot for diesel titles because if you have a diesel in California, you didn't have to do emissions testing. So, um, you know, if you're looking at selling your diesel scout and you're in the Midwest, you know, consider moving it west. But, um, yeah, so you saw the longer wheelbase, the fiberglass top addition for the Traveler and the Terra. The Scout 2 was still chugging along, of course, like always, with the steel top and, you know, uh, 76. 77, pretty much the same uh, grill change again. Uh, and then there was the addition of some special models you started seeing, um, most notably the SS2. And you get a lot of guys that argue about the SS2. Uh, from my understanding and from everyone I've talked to, the SS does not stand for Super Scout or Super Sport or anything like that. They people just got that in their head from the you know Chevy SS stuff. Um, but as from what I understand, International never called it anything. Uh, I don't know if it was out of fear of being sued or what, but the SS was just an SS. Um, it, you know, didn't have any nomenclature from what I what I understand, and I could be wrong. 
Um, there might be somebody out there with more history on it than I do, but from what I understand, the SS doesn't stand for anything. But uh, it came with, you know, fiberglass or plastic door inserts. It had a soft top. Um, there were varying packages also, like the Rancher Special, which was a four-cylinder, four-speed, one seat, a driver's seat, and that was it. Um, and it was plain, white. They, they didn't have any colors for those, but it was the cheapest Scout you could have got. I mean, it was bare bones, and that's probably one that I would have enjoyed, the Rancher Special, you know, because that would have been the best to get around in the, the backcountry with. Um, and then you had them all the way up to the Baja Cruiser, which had the fancy applique, had, you know, the two seats, the back seat, spare tire. Some of them had spare tire carrier, um, but, you know, had the, the fancy wheels, the off-road suspension package, which was different rated leaf springs. Uh, and then, like I said, the plastic inserts and the fiberglass or the, the top and the little covers that snapped over the um, defroster vents on the dash and like locking glove box door and um, you know just various things like that that made them I mean they were definitely West Coast specials they were made for the Southwest um, that was the target audience and so a lot of them ended up in other places where it wasn't ideal and you started seeing Scout 2 or SS2s getting tops and doors put on them. And, you know, so occasionally a guy will get a Scout 2 and they'll be like, hey, why is my data tag upside down on the passenger kick panel? Like, oh, well, that's a dead giveaway that that's a SS2. Or why does my dash have these funny covers over the defrosters? Or, you know, why does my seats, why do my seats not recline or, or not recline but tip forward you know because ss2s had fixed back seats uh fixed back seats um you know things like that little add-ons the you know skid plates on some of them um you know they had the plastic grill the black slats and stuff so you know the ss2 kind of was their sporty race package because at the time they were getting into off-road racing, um, Sherman Balch and Jim Marsh and those guys were starting to race off-road in the Scout and gaining some notoriety, especially because they had, you know, V8s and the wheelbase and things like that that put them in a better position than guys racing, you know, CJ5s or Broncos. Broncos were such short wheelbase that the Scouts kind of handled better in the desert, but they were at a disadvantage because of the leaf springs versus the coils of the Bronco. But anyway, um, so yeah, 77 on the regular Scouts, you saw, you know, horizontal plastic grill that they would carry for 78 and 79. Uh, rectangle headlight bezels, um, more crazy color changes, carpet interior options. Uh, more necessaries coming out like the tire carriers and skid plates and the worn winch and the different bumpers and um, light bars and and all that sort of stuff you started seeing the tent that you know you could add to the back of the hard top so you could sleep in the back of the scout um, you know you started seeing 
necessaries like that. Um, and then you saw another gear change. You could get like 307s now for a better highway economy, um, which is terrible in town, especially with an automatic. But, you know, on the open road, 307s and an automatic, or I'm sorry, 307s and a four speed, you could do 65 at like 2200, which is perfect. Um, so, you know, guys are getting good mileage. And then in 77, 78, you saw the introduction of the four barrel intake on the Scout that was a spread bore. So it had two large holes and two small holes. And they used the thermal quad carburetor, which was a Chrysler deal. And they were like 900 CFMs. So international engines don't move that much air. So the secondaries almost never opened. Almost never. <laughs> or they barely would open. So they actually would get good economy um, with the thermal quad and then still have some power there for when you really got into it. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not that good at tuning them. They're kind of complicated. They're a little junky inside. They got a lot of plastic and stuff. And there's some guys that make it their lifelong mission to tune a thermoquad. And I just don't have that kind of time. Um, you know, if I'm going to be an expert in anything, it's not going to be a carburetor that they use for two years um, or three years. Uh, so, yeah. Um, what else was of note? Really, 78, uh, you saw the change of the interior. Stuff. The armrests got longer. The knobs on the dash changed. Um, just little different interior appointments, uh, which the discerning international owner will notice that they became the same knobs and same armrests that Lodestars used. And... Uh, an S model trucks, the S series 1600, 1700, 1900 model trucks use the same armrests and the same knobs. So again, International was trying to cross model stuff with you know as many options as they could to help again save money and keep costs down. So you started seeing that kind of that kind of thing. But on but now since there was no D series or medium or you know truck line, then they had to go to heavy, heavier truck stuff to steal parts from. So, um, yeah, 78, 79, and then in 80, you saw a grill change to square headlights, all plastic grill. Um, the engine, the, the Nissan diesel now became turbocharged, which made it like 111 horsepower, or some 112, something like that. And slightly less doggy but still fragile still a poor engine choice um just not not good i don't care what anybody says you can be a diehard nissan diesel fan it's still compared to everything else not that good of an engine um so they discontinued the ss line in mid 79 um there's you know, the, the majority of the SS's, I believe, were made in 78. But uh, anyway, so they so by 80, there was no um, SS2's. Or there shouldn't have been anyways. Um, yeah, so just 
the Scout was kind of on its death rattle at the time. They didn't make, I think they made 14 or 16,000 Scouts that year. Um, they stopped making Scouts in uh, October 20th of 1980. I believe it's October 20th. Uh, Mike Bolton, not the no-talent ass clown musician, but the cool guy Mike Bolton owns the last Scout that came off the line. And you can see it at a lot of the international shows. Um, he brings it out. It's, it's neat. Um, so, yeah, you know, then you can get into like the weird packages, like the Midas stuff was all modified out of house by a company called CVI that did like the third row seat and the travelers. And they were all like super plush carpet and they had sunroofs and, you know, um, just weird it, captain's chairs front and rear and then the third row folded down into a bed kind of thing like it was like a cross between a, a rape van and the 70s like it just it was weird in my opinion like I know I'm I'm not everybody but the Midas stuff just does not do anything for me uh, it's got weird plaid headliners and shag carpet and swivel front seats and just it's just weird the paint schemes were kind of neat i'll give them that they did have some neat paint schemes uh, that were kind of cool for the 70s but the interior is just not not for me um but yeah um that's really it i'm sure i missed something important i don't know but that's the gist of it. Um, that's the Scout 2 range. High points, low points, whatever. Um, you know, anything outside of that is what I would consider fringe. And, you know, don't talk about your sundowner or your hot stuff or whatever. Like, I don't know. That's They're rare and not that many people have them or have seen one. So I didn't even really get into that too much. But. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure I miss stuff and everyone will let me know when I do, but otherwise uh, that, that should cover it. So um, thank you again uh, for f listening in, following along. Hopefully it was informative uh, and I appreciate you being here. So till next time, Dan from Binder Boneyard.